name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, O God, Amen. How fast this fast has been, and especially now, as we are in Holy Week, and how fast is this Holy Week going? And today I wanted to focus on this day of Tuesday and the eve of Wednesday. There's not much action that happened as we know like the other days, right? The other days there was kind of a big event or a couple of events where we mark and we say everything is kind of related to that. But today there wasn't really anything major. Today it was a day of teaching. And we heard some very beautiful things. We heard the Lord speak of a wedding and inviting guests and wanting the wedding hall to be filled to enjoy the celebration. We hear of the Lord talking about the honest and faithful steward or servant and how he rewarded them and made them ruler over all that he has. But we also hear of things that are not so pleasant. We heard of destruction, of judgment. We heard the story of the flood recalled. Where man, woman, and child, elderly, young, all wiped out. And we heard what's going to happen to Christians. That there will be a great deception. That even the elect would be deceived. That the love of many will grow cold in the end days. And that what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to do to us. And the whole world will hate us because we belong to Him and we love Him. The Lord gave us these words and we could say, wow, it's kind of harsh. Why did He have to share this with us? Why did He go into so much detail? And the Lord did not give us these words to scare us. But actually, the reason He gave these words... It's because the Father wanted him to give these words. This is what the Lord said of every word he spoke. He said, for I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me gave me a command. What I should say and what I should speak. Do you see this, my beloved? Did you hear this? The humility of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, the incarnate word who was worshipped by all of creation. The logos of the father, the creator. Saw that he only could obey the father. Not one word, not one action. Not one decision, not one thought was of his own authority, but complete submission to the Father. One of the most famous passages in the scriptures, and we actually repeat part of it 
in the Gregorian liturgy. And it talks about this love and submission and obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is in Philippians chapter 2. And it says this. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was God in the form of God, glorified, praised by the angels, before whom stand the cherubim and the seraphim. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And in other versions it says, he did not consider it a thing to be grasped, to be held on to, something that he's not going to let go of. He's God. But he made himself of no reputation. Made himself of no reputation. Oftentimes, what we think of most is our reputation. What we talk about most is our reputation. How we look in front of others. What others think of us. He made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. Do you know what the bondservant was? The bondservant was the servant who washed the feet hmm, of the other servants. The lowest servant. And coming in the likeness of men. God became like us. There is no greater humility And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And it didn't stop there. Even what? The death of what? Of the cross. This is called kenosis. When the Lord emptied himself, emptied himself of himself. And what do we do? All of this was for me. Each of us needs to take these words and remind yourself this was all done for me. A verse that's really been sticking out to me of late. Of course, read it many times, but as I sat and tried to ponder it, It opened my mind and my heart to understand this in such a deeper way. And it says in John chapter 13, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them. What's the rest? He loved them what? To the end. He loved them to the end. What does that mean? that God loved us or loved his own to the end. It meant he loved them to the max. He loved them to the fullest. He loved them with the eternal, incomprehensible, unchangeable, infinite love. And he gave his all 
He gave every fiber of his being. He gave his all. He loved them till his last breath and the last drop of his blood. The fullest, the best, always. And who are his own? Who are his own? Are we talking about just the disciples here? Who are his own? We are his own. I am his own. You are his own. Having loved me to the end. St. John Chrysostom said, He left nothing undone or unfinished. Nothing undone or unfinished. So if he loved me in this way, what's the least that I should do? If he loved me till the end, the least I should do is love him hmm, to the end. He taught me how to love. I love him to the end. Do you know what he tells us? He says, Give me your heart. Give me your heart. I need your heart. Does God have need of anything? Does he need? He really doesn't need. He's worshipped by the angels. The Holy Trinity is the perfection of love. Within God himself is the perfection of love. He is complete within himself. He doesn't need us. But his love for us, his desire for us, became a need for him, although he doesn't need us. And we even saw that in the scriptures. When the Lord was traveling through the towns, it said in John chapter 4, he needed to go through Samaria. Did he really need? He didn't really need. But what was his need? What was in Samaria? We read it a few weeks ago. Hmm. A Samaritan woman. She was his need. She was his need. Did she ever give him water that he wanted? What was he thirsty for? It wasn't the water. He was thirsty for her soul. When the disciples came, when the disciples came with food, because they were so hungry. It was such a long day of travel. And they said, Rabbi, eat. He said, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And they asked themselves, did somebody give him something to eat? He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. We became his need. There's a beautiful hymn in Arabic and it's sung by Abuna Yusuf Asad. I think it's probably an older hymn, but he sang it. And the words translate the, into this. He says, Do I deserve that for you to knock on the door of my heart? And it repeats, Do I really deserve that you knock on the door of my heart? You in your glorious majesty, standing before me. You, 
in your glorious majesty, standing before me and telling me, open for me, open for me. And it's taken from the book of Revelation when it says, Behold, I stand in the door, at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Do I deserve that? He gave his all. This word all, you will see it throughout the scriptures. And he deserves our all. When the Lord was describing heaven, he said heaven is like a man who found some land. And as he was going to go by that land, he found treasure in that land. And it said that he went and sold what? All that he had so he can buy this land. Or like a man who had great pearls. He was a merchant who sold pearls. But he found one pearl that was so precious. The most beautiful pearl that he's ever seen. And it said that he what? He went and sold huh? all that he had to find that one precious pearl and buy it. When the rich young ruler came to him, and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he said, you know the commandments. And he listed off several commandments and the guy was doing them. He was a rich young ruler who was following most of the commandments. But he said, one thing you're missing. Go sell huh? all that you have. Give it to the poor and then come follow. Tonight, or Tuesday of the Pascha, although we didn't read it in the Pascha book, there's a story that happened. A person who gave all. Do you remember that story? Who gave all to God? Do you remember the widow? The poor widow. She had two little pennies. But the Lord said what? She gave more than anyone because she gave all that she had. All that she had. He deserves all because he gave all. Another word I want to impress in your heart is now. We need to stop giving excuses, beloved. Excuses are one of the most despicable tricks of Satan that we all fall into. We give ourselves excuses to fall into sin. We give ourselves excuses to hang out with certain people. We give ourselves excuses to have certain habits. We give ourselves excuses to be upset at people. We give ourselves excuses not to forgive others. We give ourselves excuses not to go to church. We give ourselves excuses not to fast. We give ourselves excuses and after excuse, after excuse. You know, when I was pondering about Judas, 
And when he came to the conclusion, this must be a good idea for me to sell Christ for the price of a slave. What led him to that? Hmm. Excuses. Excuses. Little by little, inch by inch, saying, well, he keeps talking about the cross and dying. I might as well get a benefit out of it. Well, somebody has to sell him. Maybe there's a, there's a scripture written about it. Somebody has to do it. Well, I will get the money. I'll give some to the poor. Well, when I get it, I'm going to ask God for forgiveness because he's so sweet and kind and he will forgive me. And excuse after excuse after excuse, clouding his whole mentality. And I guarantee he never ever imagined that he will eventually kill himself because of the shame and the guilt of what he did, ever. That's what excuses do. But eventually, excuses will run out. Eventually, there will be no more time for excuse. That's what sin does for us. It clouds us. I want to read you something that a Russian bishop who wrote on the Passion and specifically talking about Judas. He said, let us not allow our crafty heart to think up excuses for our weakness. Stop. Stop yourself. If you've sinned, stop your heart from telling yourself an excuse. With all firmness, with all strictness, let us rise up against sin as soon as it touches our soul. What happens with sin is when it touches us, when it enters the heart, it starts off small. But the more we give ourselves into it, the more we become numb. The more it becomes almost like second nature. The more I become, that sin becomes my identity. And that's what we see with this world today. Sin becomes identity of people. We are commanded to labor against sin to the point of blood. That's what the Bible says. How much should you strive against sin to the point of shedding your blood? Why? Because we were bought at such a precious price. The blood of the Savior, the Creator of the world. To the point of sacrificing our strength and all that is dear to us. This is how much we strive against sin. If it means that we must cease from harmful, harmful bonds with people, let us not walk with the counsel of the ungodly. If it means cutting off people that were so dear to me, people that I considered brothers or sisters, people that were like my best friends, if it means cutting them off, away with them. Away with them. Because my salvation, my soul, is much more precious. 
Did you hear what the Lord said today? The Lord, he commanded of us, we read it actually in the day, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was thirst, when I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and in prison, you visited me. I was a stranger, you took me in. The Lord said, if anyone asks from you, what should you do? What should you do? You give, right? But there was something interesting in one of the stories that we read. Do you remember the story of the five wise and the five foolish virgins? When the five foolish virgins said, give us some of your oil, what did the wise do? Did they give them? No. Wait a second, Lord. You told us to give whenever somebody asks. But in this story, the wise didn't give. Why? If something that I would give could affect my salvation, should you give it? Never. Not even think about it. If my time with somebody could affect my relationship with God, away with that person. If there's a relationship that I, I'm in, or a friendship that I have, that's taking me away from God, even in the slightest, I don't need it. Do not give if it affects your relationship with God. We need to take a decision now. I want to finish with one quote. Actually, let me finish with a quick story and then I'll finish with one quote from back to Philippians chapter 2. I was speaking to someone dear to me and they had a family issue. The issue was there was a relative who was passing away and in the will they gave an unequal portion to the other family members. They basically had favorites and they were all brothers and sisters, but they had favorite children and they gave the favorite children more and the unfavored children less. And it caused havoc. And there was so much anger and hurt. And then recently, Several months after the passing, it came out that actually in the last minute, the person on their deathbed rearranged everything and gave everyone equal. And I was talking with this person and I was saying, wow, it's interesting, on the deathbed. Then I was thinking of that word deathbed. Whenever we think of the word deathbed, we're thinking of a person who's about to what? Pass away, right? But actually, every night we are in our beds, we should consider this my what? My deathbed. Is any of us guaranteed to wake up tomorrow morning? None of us. None of us. Every night, I need to recognize this could be my deathbed. St. Shinuda. The archman right. 
in the homily this morning said, each of us, each day, before they sleep, should go over the day. Think about what you did that day. Ask God for forgiveness if we messed up. Get up and ask God to come to you and bless you and be with you and strengthen you and help you to overcome. Don't waste these moments. The last passage I want to share with you. Right before St. Paul tells us of let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, he says this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if you can console me in Christ, if any comfort of love could give me this comfort, if any fellowship or communion in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, okay, St. Paul, we get what you're trying, if you love me, if you're listening to me, if you want to really understand everything I'm telling you, he's telling you over and over and over and over again, what do you want to say, St. Paul? Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he gave us the passage of being like Christ. Look how St. Paul was pleading with us. Please, I beg you, please, if you love me, please, if, you, if Christ is in your heart at all, please, don't think of yourself. Put others before yourself. Be in unity. Be of one mind. Don't complain about others. Don't look down upon others. Don't insist in what you think is right always. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. May the Lord give us the grace to continue the Holy Week, to go alongside with Him every step of the way, I always say this every Holy Week, with God, He is outside of time. So when I'm saying now, He's listening to me back then. And when He was on the cross, He was thinking of me. And when He, were, when he was washing the feet of the disciples, I am there and He recognizes me and He hears me as I'm praising Him. This is his love for each of us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and to the age of all